Hey everyone, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Our goal at Renaissance is to expose the heart of our city to the truth and love of Jesus. And if you want to be a part of that, then follow us on social media by searching Renaissance Decatur, or you can connect with us at renaissancedecatur.org. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's get started. We call the Bible a book, but did you know it's actually 66 different books combined into a single library? It was written by 40 plus authors spanning over 1600 years as they tell us the stories of men and women as they follow God in and through their lives. But each of these individual chapters all point to a greater story, the story of God saving the world through his son, Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, we read four biographical accounts of Jesus' life. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John teach us about the places that Jesus walked, the people he met, and the things that he said. In the coming weeks, I've asked four of my friends to look at all of the things that Jesus said and to focus in on just one. The question that I'm asking them to answer for all of us is this. Of all the things that Jesus said, What is that one thing that inspires you the most? Today, we will hear from Megan Rhodes. Megan's life is an incredible reflection of how the light of God's love shines even in the darkest places. She has used her experiences to guide others to Jesus. And as the women's ministry director here at Renaissance, God is using her to bring hope and healing to others. Megan is a living example of how the inspiring words of Jesus offer hope and wholeness to every person who would hear them. I am so thankful that God is using her to speak to Renaissance today. So will you join me in welcoming my friend, Megan Rhodes. Hello, can you hear me? I have a confession to make. Just a heads up, I may have not wanted to wait for the ladies room So I may have went in the men's, and I may have dropped my cord into the toilet. So I'm really grateful that it's working. (laughs) So if it stops working, we have a backup plan. I'm just letting you know. Thank you. All right. Good morning, Renaissance. Um, My name is Megan Rhodes, and I am really glad that you are here today. I have prayed for you all um, for weeks now that God would just bring the right people to church this day. And so it's really, it's really fun to see who he brought today. That's really fun. Um, so my family and I have been at Wren for a little over four years now. And uh, I am married to the hottest keyboard player on the praise team. And uh, just to clarify, it's not Josh. He's like old enough to be my son. So um, <laughs> That ain't me. Uh, I'm not a cougar. Um, Jason is my husband. Uh, We have three incredible daughters. Peyton is 16, Katie is eight, and Kari is five. Uh, Pray for me, three daughters. Um, Most of my life, especially my teenage years and my adult, young adult years, my mom kept telling me, you need to find your passion. And I didn't even know what that was because I didn't know, I didn't have a passion. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what any of that meant. And so I didn't know how to find it because I don't know what it is. Um, I didn't realize 
that God was going to plant that passion in me using the most painful experience of my life. But isn't that what he does? I love that he does that. Um, For the past 11 years, I have been volunteering and on staff at uh, the local pregnancy center, New Life Pregnancy Center. And what I did there, or what we do there, is um, when a woman thinks she might be having a baby and she's freaking out, she's scared, this might be a really bad time. There's all kinds of circumstances that bring them in the door. We want to come alongside them and give them the resources that they need and the support that they need to be a good mama. And so um, I got involved there right after my husband and I got married, um, and it was such a blessing to me. The reason I got involved there is because I had been one of those women uh, a few years before that, but I did not seek support. I did not seek resources. To be honest, I freaked out um, and I panicked because I was not in a good situation, um, and I actually chose to have an abortion at that time. And so... um, God drew me to that pregnancy center. Honestly, I thought I was going to help other people with their issues, but God truly saved me from myself um, during that time there. So for the past 11 years, I've been leading a Bible study there uh, called Restore, and it is for women who are struggling with that same choice. Um, It is easily one of the most beautiful things on the planet to watch the Lord restore the hearts of hurting people. So God used that part of my life to give me that passion to reach out to other women. I have uh, shared my story many, 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 many times. Uh, I have never written a sermon. This is a whole nother ballgame. We need to pray for our pastors. This was hard, guys. This was hard. I could talk about myself all day. But to, like, teach and, and be right, right? I want to teach you right things. That was tough for me. Uh, but I'm glad. I'm glad that we're all here. Um, So what's the one thing that Jesus said that inspires me the most? Uh, I immediately knew my answer the minute they asked me the question. And my answer was that Jesus tells us that he came to give us abundant life. He came to give me abundant life, and he came to give you abundant life. Um, John 10.10 is the scripture that says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give abundant life. And that is a verse that just kind of rolls around in my spirit all the time. I go back to it all the time, and we'll talk about that some more later. But I just knew that that's what I was supposed to talk about today. But when I got into it, I can't talk 35 minutes on one little <laughs> one scripture. So I started reading all the scriptures around it. And it was just a beautiful picture. That it, it, this scripture is sandwiched in between some beautiful, beautiful, and really important scriptures that explain it so much better than I can. So um, we're going to go through John 10, 1 through 18 today. So if you've got your app on your Bible, or your, your app on your Bible, your app on your phone, that's where we're at, John 10, verse 1. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one around you. Uh, under the seats, just look around. And we're on page 896 of that Bible. Uh, so I'm just going to read. All right. So John 10, 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and call his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go on in and out and find some past, find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this field. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So we're just going to pray and ask God to help us understand this passage of Scripture. Um, So let's pray together. Father God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for every person in the building today, Lord. I'm grateful for the message that you laid on my heart. I ask that you just prepare all of us to hear what you have to say, Lord, that you would just be with us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not good at this drinking thing. For five, we could probably do five Sundays on this scripture passage. This is a lot of information. Uh, Joe tried to get me to understand some of the deeper things, and it went right over my head. So I'm going (laughs) to do what Jeff told me to do, which is preach what I know, and I'm going to talk about what jumped out to me in these passages. Um, So we're going to start, let's start by talking about the Pharisees, okay? Um, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in this passage, and this is how I know this. There's a lot of other reasons why this is true. This is the easiest one for me to explain. So uh, in chapter 9, so the chapter right before this, this is the chapter where it talks about uh, Jesus heals the blind man, the man who was blind from birth. And Jesus got some dirt, spit in it, and made mud, and put it on his eyes. He rinsed it off, and he was healed. The Pharisees were mad. They didn't like this. They didn't like that he did it on the Sabbath. Remember, uh, Ben talked about this last week. Um, he, they didn't like, they didn't know, they didn't think that Jesus was who he says he was. So they're having all this strife, right? Um, kind of arguing about this. Um, that chapter ends, this chapter begins, and we're in the same place. So we're still talking to the Pharisees. Um, I've always assumed that Just in John 10.10, when it talks about the thief, that's talking about the enemy, um, but actually it's talking about the enemy's influences on people. So we're talking about the religious leaders who are being influenced by the enemy that are not pointing people to Jesus. So that was interesting to me. Um, Just like the Pharisees, we typically don't realize that we're being influenced by the enemy right away, right? At least I don't. Um, Sometimes it takes me a while to realize, oh wait, this is not from the Lord, right? I'm behaving in a way that is not from the Lord. So I I feel the Pharisees, I understand where they're coming from. 
so let's talk about the sheep, okay? We're the sheep. You're a sheep. I'm a sheep, okay? Uh, sheep, uh, can't, they can't really defend themselves, right? They're kind of, kind of pathetic, not really ferocious. No offense. It's okay. It's okay. We need, we need our shepherd, right? So it's okay. Uh, we, are, uh, we can't protect themselves. We can't provide shelter, right, for themselves. Uh, they, they don't even always know where the food is or where the clean water is. Uh, they can't give themselves medical care, right? If they're hurt or what have you, they need someone to help them. Uh, they are far better off doing life together, right? If one sheep goes off from the herd, they're kind of screwed, right? We're in trouble. There's someone's dinner, right? We need to stay together. So I, I feel like that I'm like a sheep, and I think that you're like a sheep too. Um, I don't always know when danger is coming. I don't always see that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not always able to provide for myself. I'm not always able to tend my own wounds and, and heal myself. I am not uh, able to provide what I need all the time. Uh, oftentimes, I'm my own worst enemy. Oftentimes, I'm causing the problems among the flock because that's just how I am. I'm honoring that way. So uh, I, I need a shepherd. I need a shepherd, and I think you probably need a shepherd too. So let's talk about the shepherd, right? He takes care of the flock. He protects the flock. He provides for the flock. If they need shelter, he gets them to shelter, right? A shepherd is a good thing. Uh, the sheep thrive under the watch of the shepherd. If it is injured, if it needs healing, the shepherd takes care of the sheep. So all in all, being a sheep doesn't sound too bad. Being taken care of, knowing that someone is always tending to our needs is kind of a good thing. So uh, back uh, a few weeks ago when Kyle shared his message, he talked about briefly about Matthew 18, where it talks about the hundred sheep, right? And if one of the hundred goes astray, the shepherd will leave the flock, safely leave the flock, and go find that sheep and rescue it. Um, I was that sheep. You were, you were that sheep. Do you know that? That we were that sheep. I was rescued. I know I was that sheep. I was so lost, so lost when Jesus found me. Um, I, didn't even want to, I didn't even want to live at that moment. And I wasn't planning anything. I didn't have a plan or a plot. But I was at my low. I was at my low. Um, I was consumed with shame. And not just from my abortion. It was, I was divorced. I, was, I had filed bankruptcy. I was drinking all the time. I was using men to fill whatever void that I had in my life. And it was a deep, deep void. Um, I was so afraid of what I was capable of doing. If I can do that, if I can take the life of my own child, what else am I capable of doing? I lived in constant, constant fear of that. Um, I know that I am the lost sheep. I have a tattoo on my wrist that says found because I know he left the 99 to rescue me. Um, we are sheep, and Jesus is the shepherd. But he's not just any shepherd. This is, this is the sweet part, guys. He is the good shepherd. He says that over and over. I am the good shepherd. He is good at tending his flock. He is good at protecting his flock. He is good at providing for his flock. He is good at finding us when we wander off. He's good at healing us when we need it. He's good at restoring us. He's good at these things. 
He's the good shepherd. He's not just a hired hand, right? He's not punching in and out and going about his business. He is invested in the sheep. He loves the sheep. His entire purpose is to, is to take care of these sheep. It's the whole purpose, right? He's not just one of the shepherds. He is the good shepherd. And that's the game changer between Jesus and all the other shepherds is his perfect love changes the whole story. So what has to happen for this dynamic to work? What has to happen for the sheep to have abundant life? That's what we're talking about, right? So I think three things have to happen for this to work. The first thing that has to happen is the sheep have to hear and know the shepherd's voice, right? Uh, We have to be able to recognize it above all other voices. We have to hear him in order to be directed or protected. He ha- we have to hear that. Um, actual sheep don't know the language of the shepherd, right? They don't, they don't know whatever language that is, but they know the tone. They know his cadence, right? They start recognizing commands. The younger sheep who don't know anything yet will watch the older sheep and follow them, right? Because they know the voice of the shepherd. Um, sheep have to hear and know his voice. My, my kids know my voice, right? When we're on the playground and we're two seconds away from a broken arm on the, on the monkey bars and I'm screaming like a mad woman from across the playground, my kids know my voice. They don't always listen, but they know my voice. They know my voice. Um, the second thing that has to happen is sheep have to obey the voice, right? The shepherd can talk all day long, but if, in a sheep, if, they, don't, if they don't obey the voice, we're not, we're not getting anywhere, right? We have to obey the voice. And why do you think the sheep obey his voice? This is my third one. Because they trust his voice. The shepherd has to be trustworthy. He has to be consistent. He has to be faithful. He can't let the sheep down. The bottom line is for sheep, for sheep, right, for us to have an abundant life, we have to hear, know, trust and obey the voice of the good shepherd. Can sheep figure out life without the shepherd? For a minute, right? Uh, Can they provide for themselves? Maybe, they might be able to find the food. They can maybe find the water. Uh, Can they protect themselves? No, right, not at all. Uh, I tried to do this for 26 years, live life without the shepherd. It was not sustainable. It was not sustainable for me. I was a disaster, I was a wreck. Um, sheep need a shepherd and we need Jesus and we can't do life on our own and we can't have abundant life without Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. So let's go back to John 10. Uh, We talked about the Pharisees. I think Jesus wants us to know that there are other voices, there are other shepherds out there that are trying to to talk to us, to speak to us, to direct us, that are not him. They are distracting us, and they are misdirecting us, and they are pulling us away from Jesus. Um, These shepherds don't even have to be people. These can be things. This can be anything that's pulling us away from Jesus. It could be addiction. It could be work. It could be exercise. That's not my problem. It's some, somebody else's problem. That's not my problem. Uh, kind of wish it was. Uh, it could be religious thinking, like Ben talked about. 
The list goes on and on and on. So the question I've been asking myself, and I'm going to ask you, what are the shepherds in your life? What are the things that are trying to pull you away from the good shepherd? There's only one voice that leads us to abundance, and that is Jesus. We are always following someone. I really want you to think about that. We're always following someone. Either it's Jesus or it's not. There's not a lot of gray area there. Um, If the spiritual authorities in our life are not leading us to Jesus, then they are robbing us. They are robbing us. Uh, What's robbing you? What's stealing your joy? Uh, Are you going to get in your car and open up your your Instagram app and see who you think is the perfect family and start comparing your family to yours and start getting disappointed and, and, and bitter? Uh, are you, oh gosh, we do that, don't we? That's gross, sorry. Are you drinking too much to, to try to numb the problems in your life? Maybe you're like me and when you're stressed and anxious, you eat too much. Um, either we're following Jesus or we're following something else. And that's hard to hear. As I was preparing for this message, I was sitting in Panera a few weeks ago um, with a blank computer screen. I had had weeks to prepare for this, and I had a blank computer screen. And I was desperately hoping no one would come in that knew me because I couldn't stop crying. And I was probably acting really bratty. And I was frustrated. And I called a friend and, uh, that I would consider as a spiritual authority in my life. Um, and really, if I'm going to be honest with you, I called him wanting an ego boost. I wanted him to tell me how awesome I was and how everything would be fine and that I'm amazing and it'll be wonderful. And uh, he didn't do that. And I was ticked. I hung up really ticked. Uh, that's what I thought I wanted. Uh, but this is what he said to me. He said, even if you give the worst message ever given at Renaissance, if it's the worst thing that we ever hear, Do you really think God is not big enough to reach someone with it? Do you really think God can't use it for good? Um, He pointed me straight back to Jesus. And that was so, after a minute, after a minute of me being testy about it, that was so good. That was so good. It was exactly what I needed. Um, At the time, it was just precious. And as I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a season in my life about 10 years ago. My oldest would have been six or seven at the time, and she had a playmate, uh, a little girl. And I woke up one morning and looked at my phone, looked at Facebook, and I read that this little girl's dad had tragically died the night before. Horrible accident, just a fluke. And um, I was so sad for the family. I didn't know him, so it didn't personally affect me, but I was so sad for the family. And for just a moment, just a tiny moment, I let myself go there and think, what if I had to get up right now and go to my daughter's room and tell her that her daddy had died? Just a moment of thinking that and experiencing that, just whatever I could at that level, that pain. And just that moment planted this weed this gross, fast-growing weed of anxiety inside of me. And I started having panic attacks. And I had them for about a year. Um, I would have them at home. I would have them at work. I worked in a credit union. I can remember being under my teller booth, like freaking out. There's a line of customers. They just want their money. And I am freaking out, hiding underneath my teller booth um, at work. And it was, it was debilitating. 
And someone, I don't know who, told me that I needed to find a scripture that I could lean into in those times uh, that would bring me peace. So uh, I prayed about it, and I felt like God gave me Psalm 23. And at the time, I really didn't know what that was. Like, I was like, oh, Psalm 23, I'm going to go look that up. So I looked it up, and I laughed. I thought, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. Why would I memorize the funeral verse in Psalm, right? The verse we talk about when people have died. How is that going to bring me peace in these moments? This is horrible. This is a bad idea. Um, But I did it. I did it anyway. I was desperate. So I I read it over and over again, and I memorized it. um, And I used it during those panic attacks to calm me down. So... Bear with me a second. You might be like me. You might hate this part, and I understand. I don't like being told what to do. I hate being told what to do. If the worship leader tells me to raise my hands, I put my hands down. I'm not raising my hands for you. Don't tell me to clap. Don't tell me, no, I'll do that when I want to do that. So, uh, but I am going to ask you to do something for me, and if you don't do it, that's okay, because I'm not going to pay attention to you anyway. But I want you to close your eyes, and I just want to read Psalm 23 to you. And I just want you to try to picture it in your mind uh, as a beautiful picture of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the rest of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then I would do it again. You can open your eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I would repeat that sometimes dozens and dozens of times, sometimes for hours at a time. Every time one hit, I would just pace and repeat it over and over and over and over. And they got shorter and they got fewer. And I knew that God was trying to teach me to trust him. And I was not doing, I was not doing a very good job at that, at that time. What a beautiful picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. So back to John 10.10. I use this scripture as a tool in my life. Um, It rolls around, I told you that a lot. Um, I use it kind of as a compass and kind of as a ruler to measure things against. So I will frequently ask myself, uh, is the enemy messing with me right now? Is that what's going on right now? Is something being stolen from me? Is something being taken from me? Is something being destroyed in me that shouldn't be? Like, what's going on? Is this the enemy? Is it just me? Is it, am I doing this thing? Am I, am I killing something in somebody else? Am I destroying something by doing this? Am I stealing something. I just, I constantly think of this all the time. Am I walking towards abundance? Am I walking away from abundance? What what does that look like? 
I don't know that it means what we think that it means. Um, what is abundant life? This is harder to answer than I thought it would be. I thought this would be an easy, an easy go. It was not. Uh, when, I, when, you, when I say abundant life, you might be like me, and I, and I immediately think of like a boat and a lake house and a maid and a nanny and well-behaved children. You know what I mean? Like all these great things. My list right now includes a, a pool for my yard, a, a pontoon boat, a minivan, and a, a vacation right? That's what I think of right now when I think of abundant life, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Um, So first, this is what I think. First, abundance is not a destination. We don't arrive there, right? We can't plug it into our GPS and get, like, arrive at abundance. Um, It's not reached or achieved. Um, I think it's something that you walk in. I think it's a path. It's a journey, Jesus' protection and provision is not a one-and-done thing. Thank you, Lord, it's not a one-and-done thing. He didn't just save me and then walk away and go save somebody else, right? I need him every moment of every day. In my sleep, I need him, right? I need him all the time. I'm so glad it's not a one-and-done thing. It's a continual journey for us. And I also think abundance is a choice. We can choose to pursue that. We can choose to walk in that, and we can choose not to. We get to choose. Um, I watched dozens of YouTube videos and sermons on abundance. I read all these commentaries, and nobody could agree on what abundance was. I was so frustrated. Um, so I started praying about it. I'm like, Lord, what the heck is abundance? Like, I have to, I have to know what it is. Um, the people who are closest to me, they give me a hard time because I, when I hear from the Lord, it's usually in the shower. And that's because I don't shut up long enough anywhere else to hear anything else. Like I'm constantly talking. So the only time I'm quiet is when I'm alone. And when you're a mom, you're only alone in the shower. So uh, last week I was praying in the shower um, and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question, which he doesn't do that very often with me, but he asked me a question and he said, when do I ever shepherd someone away from abundance? I was like, oh, oh. And I thought about all the things he's, he's asked me to do over the years, the weird things that made no sense at the time, these, these little things here and there that I, I didn't know what was going to come of it, but he asked me to do these things, and I did them. And it was all leading toward abundance. When I panned out, when I zoomed out on my life later on and I could see this little step led to this little step led to this, which led to this amazing thing. It's always, the Holy Spirit is always directing us towards abundance. So bear with me, stick with me, we're getting close, okay? This is what I think abundance is. Jesus, the Son of God, born to a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross. And why did he do that? Why on earth would anyone do that? He did that for me. And he did that for you. He did it out of his love for us to take away our sin and our shame and our disease, to to bring us back in relationship with the Father. He did that to save us from an eternity in hell. I believed at one point in my life that I was going to hell. I believed that with, with everything in me. And I'm so glad I was wrong. But I, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. He died. 
he conquered hell, he rose again, and he did all of these things because he loves us, because he is the good shepherd. And this is where our salvation comes from, right? From believing that, from believing that that's what happened. Um, <clears throat> we could say that abundant life is the salvation that we have in Christ. We could say that. And that's, I think that's a massive part of it. And that could, be, that could be the whole thing, and I would be okay with that. Like, that's the best gift, right? That's the best gift anyone could give us is our salvation. But that's not all abundance is. He wants to, has to have abundance here on earth, right now, today. The cross brought with it a comforter, right? Um, a promise of the Holy Spirit. And when we accept Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. That's the same spirit that conquered hell. That's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. That spirit lives in us. The word says that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? I have a hard time believing that sometimes. I, I, I know my own heart, and I, I look in the mirror, and I look at the things that I've done and, the, and the, the things that I've said, and I'm like, no way is the spirit of God in me. But he is. He's in me, and he's in you. I believe that abundant life is walking in that truth, is believing that. I believe that abundant life is believing the word of God, every word of it, every single word of it. The word that tells us that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us, for you, and for me. The word that tells us that when we ask for forgiveness, it's a done deal. We are forgiven. What? Are you sure? I don't forgive that way. I need to, but I don't always. The word that tells us that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The word that tells us that Jesus came to bring freedom to the captives, that we can trade our ashes for beauty, our mourning for joy and our despair for praise. Do you believe that? The word is either true or it's not. Do you believe it? I believe abundance is hearing and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. I think abundance is knowing that we have a superior position over the enemy and his lies and his shame and his sin, all of it. I think abundance is trusting God with every part of who we are, even the scary parts, even those parts that we don't let anybody in on. That pain, that deep, dark, black place in you that you try really hard to never show, that's where God wants to be. That's where the abundance is, is letting him in there. Abundance is knowing who we are, but more importantly, knowing whose we are. Who do you belong to? As people, it's really hard for us to trust, isn't it? It's really hard for me to trust. To fully trust someone, they have to prove themselves to me, right? They have to prove themselves trustworthy. Um, about six years ago, my husband and I became foster parents. And uh, the first little girl that walked through our door was almost three, and she had curly blonde hair, down to here, big blue eyes, beautiful. Um, she had been in two other foster homes and bounced around a lot for the first year of her life when she was with her birth family. 
And the first thing she said to me was, are you my new mommy? And I didn't know what to say. Do I give her false hope and tell her I am when I know I'm not? Do I uh, tell her no and crush this little girl's heart who obviously needs a mommy? So I told her, she, you can call me Meg, you can call me mommy, you can call me whatever you want. And she always called me mommy. And it was very clear, very quickly, that she could not trust anyone. With good reason, with very good reason. Every single person in her life who she was told she could trust wasn't there anymore. Every single one. Everyone who told her, I love you, they were not there anymore. And we're just another family that's gonna let her down, right? We're just another family that are going to tell her that we love her and tell her she can trust us and we're just gonna let her down too, right? Who can blame her? I don't blame her. I didn't know, I didn't know that when she asked me that question that I could say yes. Because I am her mommy and she is my daughter. And she's eight, she's almost nine now. And she's incredible. And she has overcome so much. But we had to show her that she could trust us, right? She would cry and scream at night, every night before bed. And we had to consistently show her that she was safe. She would have dozens of meltdowns every day because she was so confused and none of it made sense. We had to be so loving through all of those meltdowns, even when we didn't want to be, even when it was so hard for us, we had to be. And we did, we had some really good days and we had some days where we just messed up as mom and dad. But it's been six years. When she started to confide in me about those hurt places, when she let me into those dark corners where the pain and the hurt was, that's when I knew. We're getting there. She's starting to trust us. And that's the only way that we heal. It's the only way that we go on is letting the trusted one in to those places. I think some of us in the room uh, are waiting for Jesus to prove himself trustworthy. And I just wanna remind you that he already did that. He already proved that when he died on the cross for you and me. He already proved that. Um, Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. The good shepherd laid down his life for his flock. He already proved it. What more could we ask for? Guys, the Bible doesn't promise, doesn't promise easy lives at all. It tells us we're going to have trouble. It tells us we're going to have trials. But it also tells us that Jesus is faithful to be with us through the trials. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit, our comforter, our peace, our wise counsel is with us. We can trust him. We can trust him. An abundant life is simply a life devoted to trusting and following Jesus. We need to hear, to know, to trust and obey the good shepherd. He's already proven his trust. We can trust him. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to have some more time of worship. And uh, if you would like to pray, we'll have people in the back in the gallery that will pray with you if you would like that. Um, 
I'm just going to pray over us now, and uh, we'll go back into a time of worship. So let's pray. Father God, you are so good. You are so good to all of us, Lord. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Father, I would even ask today that you would show us those places in our hearts that you want to work in, God. Those painful places, those hard places, that you would speak to us about those, God. Lord, thank you for each and every person here. Thank you for tending your flock so well, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Much love, Ren. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We're so excited to see the things that God is doing in our community. And if you're looking for a way to get involved in that, then please go to rendicator.org and make a commitment to being a part of showing the people of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.